Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Industrial Plant and Equipment podcast. I'm Edward Loughton, and I'm the editor of Industrial Plant and Equipment magazine. This new podcast will see us talking with some of the leading voices in UK industry to hear their thoughts on both the challenges and opportunities currently facing the sector. Now, one challenge which is at the forefront of everyone's minds at the moment is the ongoing supply chain issues. This situation has seen businesses across the UK taking a fresh look at what steps they can take to build supply chain resilience. In line with this, for this first edition of the podcast, we'll be joined by Gemma Archibald, Divisional CEO of Global Supply Chain Compliance at Alchemist, to discuss how manufacturers can address the issues surrounding supply chain risk and compliance. Hi Gemma, it's great to have you with us for the first episode of the podcast. Uh, so to start off with, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, uh, your role at Alchemist, and just what it is that Alchemist does? Yes, of course, Ed, no problem. So I'm Gemma Archibald. I've been at Alchemist here for six and a half years, and I am the divisional uh, CEO of Supply Chain Compliance Globally. So essentially what that means is we run a number of supply chain organisations within Alchemist. So we have our safe contractor product in the UK and our Cognabox and contractor check products in North America. Uh, and I'm responsible for uh, all of those areas and d- developing a global supply chain product to the market. Alchemist is a, an organisation that specialises in risk management for uh, supply chains, but also uh, other organisations as well in terms of thinking about health and safety risks, supply chain risk, and we offer a number of software solutions and services to help organisations manage that risk. Excellent. And with reference to the manufacturing industry, what are some of the uh, main challenges towards uh, achieving supply chain compliance? There are a number uh, of challenges. If you think about manufacturing, what those organisations will be worried about waking up every day thinking about is how they keep production going to deliver the goods of superior quality on time to their customers. And and that would be their main goal. And so therefore, the supply chain is incredibly important to them achieving that goal. So having a really robust, reliable, transparent supply chain is incredibly important for their organisation. So some of the challenges will be they deal with thousands of suppliers, probably globally, And how do they actually keep track of all of those organisations? How do they ensure that they are operating safely? They aren't any, they they don't present a danger, particularly ones that come onto their site uh, as contractors, for example. But also they'll be thinking about how do they understand whether they have a modern slavery policy? Are they ethical suppliers? So there'll be lots of things for them to worry about. And as they're managing thousands of suppliers, how, how do they do that? So key areas for them will be worrying about the transparency of suppliers in the organisation through the various tiers, understanding how compliant they are with various legislation types. And that from their own point of view, the uh, resources in procurement and health and safety and supply chain functions are often really stretched. So how do they have dedicated resources to worry and think about supply chain compliance? They will be some of the challenges they have. So when we talk about supplier risk, what are the main things manufacturers should be aware of? If you think about supply chain and what will they what will they be worried about? I mean, the role of supply chain and procurement as a function in a manufacturing organisation is to help the business maximise profit. And they'll be thinking about doing that by looking at cost reductions and having preferred agreements with suppliers. 
the supplier quality, so of the materials, goods, services that they provide their organization, thinking about assurance of supply, so keeping production going by making sure that that supply is delivered on time, in full, when it's scheduled to. And they'll also be thinking about how suppliers do things innovatively, you know, how can they help them stay ahead of the game for competitive advantage? So they will be some of the things that they'll they'll be sort of worried about, really. When you, when you then factor in what are the main risks they should be aware about? Typically, risk will be thought about at their initial point of onboarding a supplier. So they'll ask them lots of questions and information, but it's usually quite often done at one point in time. So while they're onboarding that supplier, they'll gather the information, but that will be quite a static data set. They'll have got that at the initial part where they've joined but they won't be doing that on a, on a regular basis. And quite often they'll put a, apply a one-size-fits-all approach. So they'll be assessing uh, suppliers and contractors in a very, very similar way, simply because they don't have the resources to potentially do that a- any other way. So they will be some of the, the risks because they'll assess them once, they'll assess them in a very standard way. And how do they stay ahead of that? How do they keep keep that assessment alive? So if they work with them for a number of years, they need to be assessing them on a regular basis. So there's some of the things that they'll be aware of. Then if you have a think about how does the how is the market changing, there's lots more legislation coming. So you've got obviously the Health and Safety at Work Act um, and how do they operate safely. But they'll also be thinking about social value, modern slavery, environmental factors. So there's lots of different risks that they need to think about when they're engaging with suppliers. And how do they do this at scale and on a regularly consistent basis? That means there's less risk in their supply chain. So based on that, how can organisations find the information they need to pre-qualify suppliers? Uh, is this something that can be difficult to do in-house? Quite often organisations that try to do this in-house, as I said, they'll, they'll do it once. They'll do it at the point of onboarding and they'll typically use a pre-qualification questionnaire or some software. Um, and, and they'll try to do it themselves in-house. But what we find is they'll only be able to do that once. They won't be able to keep the basic documentation up, updated. So even things like insurances, for example, valid insurance certificates. They expire on an annual basis. Um, and so they often they run into trouble that they can't do it at scale in-house themselves. If they were a small organisation dealing with, a, you know, one or 200 suppliers that could possibly manage that. But it does get really difficult once you start getting into the volume of thousands of suppliers. And then it's also really difficult to ensure that the person assessing the information has the relevant skills and qualifications to make a, a valid judgment as to whether that supplier is safe enough or not, for example. So quite often um, it's done on a relatively generic basis rather than having, say, a health and safety expert assess the information to say that company operates safely. So it can be done in-house, but it's very difficult and it's very difficult to be sustainable and to grow with an organisation that has a growing supply chain. So with that in mind, what role can data-driven third-party assessments play in, in terms of evaluating and monitoring supply chains? And how do these differ from more traditional static assessments? I mean, third-party third assessments play a really important role. You know, organisations very much like us. It, it, because one of the things that we do is, is firstly, we're able to talk to the volume of suppliers at scale. So we can get information from a huge volume of suppliers because we have the infrastructure to be able to go out, ask the information, keep that up to date on a regular basis. You know, we're all all about doing that at scale. But also the consistent standard approach is really important. So we apply a standard in terms of assessment, gathering the information and an assessment on that supply chain that on an annual basis is therefore 
assess on a, on a consistent basis. So that allows organisations to compare the financial stability, the environmental impact, the safety of their supply chain. It, it allows for that sort of benchmarking at, at quite a scalable basis. But also quite often what happens is people will procure maybe software in disparate parts of the organisation. And so you have siloed and disconnected monitoring systems quite often in organisations, whereas third party systems will apply a consistent approach across the entire supply chain, put all of that information into a consistent data view that allows organisations to get a full view of the supply chain, their compliance levels in that much more single view, which becomes incredibly important as an organisation grows, operates multi-sited, potentially operates globally. So it allows them that, you know, that sort of first base really of gathering the data and and transparency into the supply chain to allow organisations to make risk-based decisions. So those are some of the incentives for businesses to use uh, or to utilise third-party assessments. Now, what are the risks for those organisations that don't understand the level of compliance in their supply chain? I mean, there there are a number of risks, uh, effectively, in the sense of how do they ensure that the contractors and suppliers that they have in the supply chain are good organisations to use? So do they present a risk to their business? Are they likely to cause them a brand reputation risk? Are they likely to cause them a problem, you know, they enter into a big contract that they financially can't actually deliver? There are a number of different risks that organisations like this have to deal with. Uh, And that's sort of what we do is help deliver that consistent approach across the organisation and deliver an ongoing consistent pre-qualification process for that supplier due diligence and verification. Right. So finally, uh, what are the potential benefits, whether reputational or financial, for those businesses that can demonstrate a thorough understanding of supply chain risk? The benefits, first and foremost, probably is that they get the visibility of of the compliance within their supply chain at varying levels. So then they can make risk-based decisions as to who they choose to contract with. They may still choose to contract with somebody that doesn't have all the necessary credentials, but they do so knowingly, whereas today they're often operating relatively blindly. And if you think about how the landscape is changing, if they don't have policies and procedures to deal with safety, for example, in terms of using contractors and suppliers that are safe, the potential impact of costs, the potential impact of fines, workplace incidents, lost time, particularly in manufacturing, that can be particularly damaging. Uh, so the benefits are you at least use a much more compliant supply chain. So you minimise the risk of, of those sorts of things happening to you. Increasing fines and shifting regulation. If you ha- if you manage your supply chain in this kind of way, it allows you to stay ahead of that compliance, the compliance regulatory landscape changing. So modern slavery regulations are changing, environmental needs are changing, etc. And the biggest one absolutely is brand reputation, because at least going through these this sort of uh, kind of process means that you are dealing with a compliant supply chain. You are knowing the risks that, you know, the, the hidden risks that are in your supply chain. And so the impact to your brand reputation is minimised because at least you are actually getting some visibility as to the compliance of your suppliers. Right. So really, um, that supply chain compliance is a key component or linchpin in terms of businesses growth going forward. 100% because organisations need their supply chain in order to be able to fulfil the services they are actually providing their own customers. We've seen with the recent, you know, with COVID and you know, Brexit and all the number of things, the supply chain is incredibly important for an organisation to be, to be able to fulfil their own promises. So 
And as organizations change and grow, their reliance on their supply chain increases even further. So they're essential to their growth. So therefore, it's really important for them to make sure they have robust, resilient, ethical and safe supply chains they can rely on to help continue with that growth. Well, Gemma, thank you for joining us and for your insights into supply chain compliance. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Obviously, we are super passionate about uh, supply chain compliance. We think it is one of those really uh, hidden gems in any organisation to help organisations grow. And we play a really important role in not only helping large organisations manage their compliance, but really working with suppliers and contractors to help A, demonstrate their credentials, but also raise standards in the industry. So, you know, we see ourselves very much as the interface to connect buyers and suppliers, so to help organisations grow. Well, excellent. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you very much. Now, before we go, there's time for a quick roundup of three of the recent standout news stories for the manufacturing sector. British manufacturing output fell for a third month in a row in September, while orders declined for a fourth consecutive month, according to the S&P Global Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index. The decline which saw the PMI at 48.4 in September was attributed to falling foreign demand. S&P Global reported that September saw new export business contract at the quickest pace since May 2020, with reports of lower demand from the US, the EU and China. It noted that manufacturers faced weak global market conditions, rising uncertainty, high transportation costs reducing competitiveness and longer lead times leading to cancelled orders. The current weakness in the pound raises the cost of imports of fuel and raw materials, which are often priced in dollars and the PMI showed that input cost inflation rose for the first time in five months, partly due to the weaker pound. A broad range of inputs were reported as up in price, including chemicals, electronics, foodstuffs, metals, packaging, plastics and timber, S&P Global said. Now, given ongoing supply chain disruption, it's unsurprising that some buyers are seeking out alternative production lines closer to home. In Britain, the move towards reshoring has gained further momentum following the introduction of full border checks in the wake of the country's exit from the EU. Speaking to Industrial Plant and Equipment, Christopher Greeno, Chief Commercial Officer at SDE Technology, noted that the headwinds of Brexit, the pandemic and then the war in Ukraine mean that most businesses who import are looking to reshore. According to a survey by Make UK, more than a third of UK manufacturers have increased the number of suppliers they use Further supporting the view that reshoring is gaining traction, Make UK's research indicates that more than 75% of these companies are increasing their use of UK suppliers. However, Greeno cautioned that while reshoring represents a great opportunity for UK firms, it still needs to be backed up with real support and investment from the UK government to reduce energy costs and close the skills gap. Without this, the reshoring decision is a tougher one, he warned. Now, with the manufacturing sector facing a range of headwinds, it's good to be able to end on some positive news. A programme that has backed 2,500 Northwest manufacturers to adopt new digital technology and skills has secured £6.1 million funding to continue for a third of three years. Made Smarter has helped small and medium-sized companies start their digital journey by providing them specialist advice and a digital roadmap to help them select the right approach, level of investment and tools for their businesses. More than 250 businesses, supported by matched funding, have invested in new technology, ranging from software and sensors to robotics and extended reality, to become more efficient, build resilience, increase their productivity and grow sustainably. As a result, these manufacturers are set to create 1,250 new jobs, upskill almost 2,300 existing roles, deliver an additional £176 million in gross value added to the region and help the UK meet its net zero target by 2050. 
The additional government funding will enable Made Smarter to support hundreds more SME manufacturers in Cheshire and Warrington, Cumbria, Greater Manchester, Lancashire and Liverpool as they move towards Industry 4.0. Now, before you go, just a quick reminder that all the sessions from the recent Industrial Plant and Equipment Digital Conference are available to view online, so why not head over to ipedigitalconference.com and take a look. We had an exciting agenda for this year's conference with sustainability and the question of how industry can respond to the energy crisis among this year's key topics. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, why not stop by our website, ipsearch.co.uk, and sign up to receive the free digital edition of our bi-monthly magazine, which is packed with informative insights together with the latest products and solutions. We're celebrating Industrial Plant and Equipment's 30th anniversary for the November-December issue, so why not mark the occasion with us? You can also follow us on social media. Just search for Industrial Plant and Equipment Magazine on LinkedIn or at IPE Magazine on Twitter. Thank you for joining us. I'm Edward Loughton and this was the Industrial Plant and Equipment Podcast.